O God, let the words of my mouth and the meditations of each of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. In one of the congregations I served in the past, I remember a day I was out in the narthex after worship and a a woman approached me and I could tell she was a bit anxious about approaching me because she had something to say to me that she didn't know how I would take. She had sort of a complaint to register and a request to make all at the same time. And what she said to me was, can we please sing some of the old hymns? And I thought, well, that's a broad category, old hymns, uh, to myself. And, and she, I looked at her and I said, well, sure, you know, I, I get to choose the hymns. That's one of the things they give me a responsibility for as a Presbyterian minister. I get to choose the hymns. And so uh, tell me, which hymns do you want to sing? Which, which good old hymns do you want to sing? And she stared at me and kind of then looked off in the distance. And I could tell she was either nervous or had forgotten her list, and that she'd know them when she heard them, but she said, oh, I don't know, you know, just some of the good old hymns. And to this day, I still wonder which list of the good old hymns she had in mind, because that's largely dependent on where we were when we learned the good old hymns, and the ones that are sort of rooted deep in our imaginations, and that we can sing by heart, if we grew up in the church at least. And as a Presbyterian born of Presbyterians, I wondered both what her list was, and as I thought about the hymn that I chose for this morning, I wondered if that particular hymn, Fanny Crosby's, you know, uh, what's the title of it? Come on, uh, we just sang it. (laughs) Redeemed, there we go. Fanny Crosby's Redeemed uh, was on her list. Because it wasn't on my list as a Presbyterian born of Presbyterians. Not 19th century hymns that were sung at Dwight Moody's evangelistic crusades in greater Chicago, but hymns that were sung in congregational churches in England in the early 1800s. Isaac Watts is more of the person that's on my list of the, the good old hymns, or Welsh tunes that were written in the latter part of the 1700s, but Fanny Crosby's late 19th century lyrics and the music to which they are set are not the ones that are familiar to my ears. But I chose it today hoping that it was one of the good old hymns for some of you. And it's one I can sing as opposed to In the Garden. I can't sing that one, as you all know. But it's one that I can sing and enjoy. Fanny Crosby wrote about eight or 9,000 poems. She was blind. Her poems were set to music and, like I said, sung at evangelistic crusades that Dwight Moody oversaw and, and other things. But she was one of the most popular poets in America in her day. And so many of her songs were were set to these tunes like we heard the one that we sang today that, that are just kind of get up and dance sort of tunes. 
And I chose it today because it's also probably based on a line from the 107th Psalm. I have a feeling that Fanny Crosby was responding to the invitation of the psalmist to let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Something had happened to her in Christ, and she wanted to sing about it. And sing she did over and over and over again, and she celebrated. And I want to do the same. I want to invite us to remember and celebrate over these next six weeks to answer the psalmist's invitation in the 107th Psalm and to remember and to give thanks concretely for what God has done specifically for each of us. The structure of the 107th Psalm is easily divisible into six very nice pieces and that's why it's going to be a six week series. There's an invitation to worship in the first three verses, which is what we're going to be looking at today. And then there are four specific stories of experiences of redemption. Of, they're metaphors, if you will, of very concrete feelings that we would have in these situations and, and what it feels like to be redeemed by God. And then it ends with a conclusion and kind of an admonition like the admonition at the beginning but this time to pay attention to God's love. Think about it. Ruminate on it. Chew on it. Do something to connect yourself with your particular experience of the steadfast love of the Lord. But in this first week, I want to deal with those first three verses and that phrase, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. And in order to do that, perhaps, we need to first talk about what that word redemption means. And so for those of you who love word studies, uh, strap yourself in because the word redeemed is an interesting word in Hebrew. There are two different words that the Hebrew Old Testament uses for the word that we translate into English as redemption. The first one is ga'al, and it is to act as a kinsman and step in and solve a problem with one of your kin with a payment of some kind that gets him or her out of the mess he or she is in. If you know the book of Ruth, the relationship between Ruth and Boaz is exactly this sort of illustration of redemption. Boaz steps in as someone who can redeem the land that belonged to Ruth's family and then takes Ruth as his wife. It's, it's an example of a, of a kind of economic marriage of, of a kinsman stepping in to take responsibility for their dead relative, in Ruth's case, because her husband dies and she and her mother-in-law are left destitute. And Boaz steps in and pays the price for the field and gets Ruth as a part of the bargain you know, forgive them uh, for treating women like chattel, but that's what, what happened uh, in this story. And it becomes a love story. And so this ga'al, this notion of redemption, is about kind of buying someone out of the trouble they're in, buying them out of slavery. It's a relational term. There's another word that's used for redemption as well, and it's pada. It's not in Psalm 107. But pada means ransom. 
And it's the act of, of paying for a release. And the two words are almost used interchangeably throughout the scriptures. And it's the same idea. And the psalm goes into this idea of getting us out of trouble. And, and equally, it's applied to the, the whole notion of being redeemed from slavery in Egypt or redeemed from captivity in exile release from those two big places in scripture where God's people felt the absence of God and were ushered into either restoring them to the land through the exile or giving them the land when they were freed from Egypt. These are the big, big themes of the Old Testament. If we don't have these in mind when we read almost everything we read, then we won't get the Old Testament. But this is where redemption comes in, and these two words are, are very important in describing that. And so I want to read verses 1 through 3 and just say a couple of things about those three verses. The psalmist starts this way. He says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, those whom he redeemed from trouble. And gathered in from the lands, from the east, and from the west, and from the north, and from the south. So it starts with the way many psalms start, give thanks. It's a call to worship. Worship the one who has shared his steadfast love with you. Celebrate the one who has lavished mercy and loving kindness upon you. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Talk about your experience of God. Don't just talk about God. Talk about your particular experience of God. If you are the redeemed, then tell us what your redemption looked like. Join Fanny Crosby, if you will, in her joy of giving witness to what God has done for you. What it is, is it's a call to Connect with something concrete. Something that is concrete that's happened in our lives or, or we wouldn't be reading this psalm in the first place. <laughs> we wouldn't be in church in the first place. What was it? Remember it. Reroute yourself in it. Tell it. From what have you in particularly been saved? You've been released out of some kind of bondage and released into some new place. As the psalm says, gathered in from east and west and north and south, there's this kind of repatriation after the exile where, where people are brought in to Jerusalem together. Gathered in and, and also there's echoes of Egypt here as well, of these this story of being released from slavery and experiencing God's redemption in a very concrete way. You've got a story to tell, is what the psalmist is saying. So tell it. And he goes on to say, maybe it was like this, or maybe it was like that, or maybe it was like this other thing. But what's your particular story? So permit me another Fanny Crosby lyric. Blessed Assurance, how many know that hymn? All right, that's on everybody's list, it looks like. 
Well, what's the refrain from that? This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. Maybe you aren't as excited about your story as Fanny was excited about her story. I don't know. Maybe you don't praise your Savior all the day long. But we all have a story. And God has engaged us at some time, somewhere. And how and when and what happened and what continues to happen and how that makes us feel is the daily exercise that leads us into prayer and reconnects us with that attempt to actually pay attention to the presence of this God who has invited us into that broad and open space. And Psalm 107 calls us to move to that personal and that affective place where we personally connect with the story. You can't read Psalm 107 and stay in the safe world of theological abstraction. You just can't. That safe world of big words and complex ideas and theories about God. And so what I want to do in these weeks is invite all of us to get in touch with our story, our particular story, our particular song. And maybe Psalm 107 will help us to do that by giving us these four metaphors of what it feels like to be saved to remember and to celebrate, just like that leper remembered and celebrated and couldn't shut up even though Jesus told him to shut up. Say something. Bring that needed word of encouragement both to yourself and to your brothers and sisters in Christ because that is what encourages us to move on and move ahead in a time where we have no idea where we're going. So I want to end with a reading of, I forgot to bring this over with me, a reading of the 107th Psalm, but out of the message. I thought about just like there are good old hymns, there are different uh, Bibles. This is my thin, unobtrusive Presbyterian Bible, and this is my big fat Baptist Bible. Um, (laughs) except that it's not King James. It's actually The Message by Eugene Peterson. And Peterson really captures in contemporary language what the psalmist celebrates. And so let this be our closing prayer. Oh, thank God. He's so good. His love never runs out. All of you set free by God, tell the world. Tell how he freed you from oppression then rounded you up from all over the place, from the four winds, from the seven seas. Some of you wandered for years in the desert, looking but not finding a good place to live, half-starved and parched with thirst, staggering and stumbling on the brink of exhaustion. Then in your desperate condition, you called out to God. He got you out in the nick of time. He put your feet on a wonderful road that took you straight to a good place to live.
So thank God for his marvelous love, for his miracle of mercy to the children he loves. He poured great drafts of water down on parched throats. The starved and the hungry got plenty to eat. Some of you were locked in a dark cell, cruelly confined behind bars, punished for defying God's word, for turning your back on the high God's counsel. A hard sentence, and your heart so heavy, and not a soul in sight to help. Then you called out to God in your desperate condition. He got you out in the nick of time. He led you out of your dark, dark cell, broke open the jail, and led you out. So thank God for his marvelous love, for his miracle mercy to the children he loves. He shattered the heavy jailhouse doors. He snapped the prison bars like matchsticks. Some of you were sick because you lived a bad life. Your body's feeling the effects of your sin. You couldn't stand the sight of food. So miserable you thought you'd be better off dead. Then you called out to God in your desperate condition, and he got you out in the nick of time. He spoke the word that healed you, that pulled you back from the brink of death. So thank God for his marvelous love, for his miracle mercy to the children he loves. Offer thanksgiving sacrifices. Tell the world what he's done. Sing it out. Some of you set sail in big ships. You put to sea to do business in faraway ports. Out at sea, you saw God in action, saw his breathtaking ways with the ocean. With a word, he called up the wind, an ocean storm, towering waves. You shot high in the sky. Then the bottom dropped out. Your hearts were stuck in your throats. You were spun like a top. You reeled like a drunk. You didn't know which end was up. And you called out to God in your desperate condition, and he got you out in the nick of time. He quieted the wind down to a whisper, put a muzzle on all the big waves. And you were so glad when the storm died down, and he led you safely back to harbor. So thank God for his marvelous love, for his miracle mercy to the children he loves. Lift high your praises when the people assemble. Shout hallelujah when the elders meet. God turned rivers into wasteland, springs of water into sun-baked mud, luscious orchards became alki flats because of the evil of the people who lived there. Then he changed wasteland into fresh pools of water, arid earth to springs of water, brought in the hungry and settled them there. They moved in. What a great place to live. They sowed the fields, they planted vineyards, they reaped a bountiful harvest. He blessed them, and they prospered greatly. Their herds of cattle never decreased. But abuse and evil and trouble declined, and he heaped scorn on princes and sent them away. He gave the poor a safe place to live. He treated their clans like well-cared-for sheep. Good people see this and are glad. Bad people are speechless, stopped in their tracks. If you are really wise, you'll think this over 
it's time you appreciated God's deep love. Lord, help us to answer this call and to live in the life-giving, energizing reality of appreciation. For we pray in Jesus' name, our rock and our redeemer. Amen.